live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, on Friday, January 26th, 2024. I'm Gianna Volpe. In a 7-0 vote Tuesday afternoon, the Suffolk County Industrial Development Agency approved the $2.7 million tax relief package for the $43.9 million luxury hotel proposal known as the Enclaves. Nicholas Grasso reporting in the Suffolk Times that the IDA, which provides financial incentives to promote economic development within the county, granted the developer Enclaves LLC $1.8 million in reductions on sales tax for building materials and equipment, $246,000 in reduced mortgage tax payments, and $700,000 in savings courtesy of a 15-year pilot program. The IDA's assistance and its proceedings have long stirred controversy throughout Southhold. Prior to a public meeting the IDA hosted at Southhold Town Hall last month, former town supervisor Scott Russell and current supervisor Al Krupski decried the IDA for not seeking input from residents earlier in the process. The town hall meeting was transcribed and presented to the IDA's seven-member voting board along with nearly 100 written comments submitted by January 16th regarding the project. Among the 67 opposing the tax relief package for the project is a letter signed by all six members of the Southhold Town Board. The IDA also received 29 comments from various parties, including several local business owners supporting incentives for the developers. The IDA's actions will engender 72,979 square feet of new construction, including a two-story, 40-room hotel, four detached cottages, and a pair of restaurants on 6.75 acres at the former Hedges Bed and Breakfast on Main Road in Southholt. Developers Jonathan Tibbet, Edward Glacken, and Andrew Giambertone said the tax breaks were vital to the project. They anticipate opening the enclaves by summer of 2025. In other news, five Long Island school systems are among 16 statewide identified as facing varying degrees of fiscal strain, according to a report issued by the state comptroller. Two of those systems face significant stress, New Suffolk and Amityville. Three, Roosevelt, Middle Country, and Springs were classified as susceptible to stress, the mildest of three categories. New Suffolk residents are scheduled to vote March 5th on whether to shut down instruction in their small local school and send students to neighboring districts. John Hildebrand reporting on Newsday.com that designations were based on districts' financial condition during the 2022-23 school year, which ended June 30th. In Springs, quote, the reality is we get very little aid and the burden falls on our taxpayers. That from Springs School Superintendent Deborah Winter, Springs, which operates on a $35 million annual budget, receives about $2 million in in, uh, financial assistance from Albany, according to state records. Winter said the district, which operates classes from pre-kindergarten through eighth grade, is struggling to pay tuition bills totaling about $10 million to send older students to high school in a neighboring district. The number of districts identified statewide as as fiscally stressed was higher than 14 named the prior year, but well below the 33 designated in 2019, the Comptroller's Office reported, quote, although 
Federal relief packages and state aid provided much-needed assistance. School officials should remain diligent and closely monitor their financial condition in the current and future budget cycles as one time federal funds are depleted and state aid is uncertain. That from Thomas DiNapoli. Loving this next news item, students at Hampton Bays High School will soon be able to open their own bank account, make deposits and withdrawals, and otherwise polish their financial skills at a new banking center inside the school. Craig Schneider reporting on Newsday.com that the creation of the banking center called the Bayman Financial Literacy Center aims to instill in students the money management skills they'll need heading into adulthood. That from Superintendent Lars Clemenson uh, joining us here on The Heart next week. Uh, that center will open February 29th. Clemenson said, quote, we want to make sure financial literacy is a common language for kids. We don't want our kids leaving here and signing up for their first credit card not knowing what to do. The initiative comes as many educators across the country push for schools to provide more real-life teaching about handling personal finances. It's a nice note, especially knowing uh, how many colleges around the country, just in the first week when when they welcome students, there are often uh, tables set up with credit cards. Uh, It's a bit predatory, uh, getting kids to, giving them free pizza to sign up for a credit card when they may not know anything about uh, how credit works. All right, so the State Board of Regents is considering making instruction in financial planning a a requirement for a New York high school diploma. Hampton Bay's School Banking Center, also open to faculty and staff, was built out of an old school store using a $30,000 state grant and will be staffed by a bilingual teller employed by the Teachers Federal Credit Union for two days a week, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. School officials will communicate with parents regarding each child's account, and any checking account would have to be co-opened with a parent. The Hampton Bays District already offers a high school elective class in personal finance and is enhancing its financial literacy and money management instruction across the grades. And finally, the Sag Harbor Village Board will hold an affordable housing workshop on Saturday, January 27th. That's tomorrow at 1 p.m. in the Brick Kiln Road Firehouse. Stephen J. Coates reporting on 27East.com that Mayor Tom Gardella said the goal of the event, moderated by Joe Shaw, the executive editor of the Pre- uh, the Express News Group, is to hear from the public to help the village of SAG shape future policy. I want to hear from the public, Gardella said. I want to hear from people who are in a situation where they need affordable housing, those who are trying to create affordable housing, and those who are trying to maintain their workforce. The full village board is expected to convene for the session that's tomorrow, 1 o'clock, in the Brick Kiln Road Firehouse in Sag Harbor. Uh, Coming back to Southampton Village for the weather, ahead of our discussion with Joan Lyons, who will be directing the uh, center stage uh, staged reading of The Glass Menagerie at Southampton Arts Center this weekend. Looking like periods of rain here in Southampton before 1 p.m. Very wet out there at the moment. Areas of fog before 1 o'clock as well. High near 44 degrees. North wind 7 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, patchy fog before 1 a.m., otherwise mostly cloudy with a low around 39 degrees. 
North wind, 3 to 6 miles per hour right now. It's 44 degrees, and I sure do have a glass menagerie edition of The Heart prepared for you this morning. Rachel Kane, Tyler Dory Trio, and then Henry Mancini and uh, the Royal Philharmonic. Bef- uh, but first, Megan Vivaris, Glass Menagerie from the Just in Time record of 2015 right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. News you can trust, music you love. Stay tuned for Joan Lyons.
Rachel Kane leading us into the bottom of the hour and our Friday morning tea underwritten by Village Overhead Doors. This edition of The Heart also brought to you by Sag Harbor Cinema and very grateful to welcome onto the program. You know what? Actually, I think I'll put, I'll tuck Henry Mancini and the Royal 
Philharmonic. Underneath us, this is Tom's theme from the Glass Menagerie. Uh, welcoming on Joan Lyons, who is directing a staged reading of Tennessee Williams' uh, breakout play from 44, I believe. Yeah, 44. This weekend at SAC. Joan, that is correct. Joan, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be back. I am so happy to have you back and especially to talk about this play. It's it's a damn good one. Oh, it's a classic. I think everybody knows this play or if they don't know this play, they know a, a, par- a portion that comes from this play. I mentioned it to somebody who said, I don't remember this play at all, but I remember Blue Roses. Yes, and like, that's yes. exactly the same. So so I reread it yesterday, right? And I, I remember mm-hmm. reading it in high school, but the mm-hmm. but the story escaped me. But some but I know that somewhere in my own journals, uh, I had just written a line and he called her Blue Roses. So mm-hmm. for, for years, that line stuck with me and I thought, oh, I'm just so brilliant. And I'm like, oh, I love that line. I wonder where I got it. Oh, it was Tennessee Williams. It you know, Tennessee it was Williams. it was it was the glass menagerie. Okay, so um let's talk about how this stage reading came to be, what it was like directing. Let's talk about the cast. Tell us tell us everything, Joan. I'll tell you everything. Um <clears throat> when we started over at the Southampton Art Center, Michael Disher and I for center stage. Uh, we had some time slots open to us. And one of the time slots was in December. And we wanted to do uh, a reading of the Laramie Project. But it just oh, didn't work out. Very, that, is a, that is a tearjerker, man. Yeah, so we thought, you know what, well, let's, let's find some new dates, work something else out. And they always wanted to do the Glass Menagerie. But, um, you know, there are some limitations to doing a full-blown production um, mm right now because we have limited rehearsal time we have limited rehearsal space access to the space well although the, the glass the glass menagerie is pretty minimalist right as far as uh, it staging is, it is, is concerned minimalist. yeah it is and that's why it lends itself to this sort of a staged reading right so i decided you know I've, I've always wanted to do tennessee williams i'm just such a fan yeah. and i thought this is a great time to do this and it was funny because i was reading um this sort of an introduction to the script and Williams wrote that he visualized this as a reduced mobility on the stage, the forming of statuesque attitudes or tableau, something resembling a strained, restrained type of dance with motions honed down to only the essential or significant. And it's funny that I read that after I decided to do it as a stage reading. Yeah. So, um, so I, I, I it's perfect. It's perfect for it. And, and, and all of, all of the, uh, the drama is in it's in the it's in the words it's in the dialogue yeah it's absolutely in the dialogue it is poetic i mean it's tennessee williams the 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 verbiage that he chooses is just there are so many i have a favorite line like in every scene somebody said to me what's your favorite line i'm like oh which scene right (laughs) you know it's it's just it's beautiful and it's it's gorgeous it's it's haunting yes it's it's dark. It's a dark play. It's, you know, it's about hopes and dreams dashed and, um, you know, people not getting what they want and, um, you know, family dynamics. Um, so it, there's a lot going on. And I have to do this all on a staged reading. Now, 
I do have entrances and exits. There are there's lighting cues, there are sound cues, and there's music. Um, there are a few small props, but primarily um, the actors are seated, uh, and they have to convince the audience that all of this is taking place in this in this play from their chairs. So they have to do it vocally, visually, um, with whatever physicality they can do from their chairs, which is a real challenge. But wow, have they risen to this challenge. It's just been incredible. It's been an incredible journey because I've never done a stage reading before. I've seen a million. It's usually a bare stage. There's some chairs in a semicircle. Everyone's sitting there with their noses in a script, not really engaging with the audience, not engaging with each other. And this is not like that. This is basically a fully formed production from chairs. (laughs) I wanted to do more than just what we call a park and bark. Right. You just sit and talk. So t- let's but, uh, let's hear about uh, let's hear about the cast because I'm yeah. not at all surprised to hear you were able to get that once I read the names. Well, I have worked with um, three of them before. First, I have Kristen Whiting, who plays. Um, we call her the host. She's really the narrator. She does all of the stage directions. Um, we have chosen which stage directions she reads so that she sets the tone. She sets the mood. Um, she does all the screen devices. Uh, and it's cool because, you know, you don't always need that. You don't need the, the stage yeah. directions as much. But in, in, in The Glass Menagerie, you absolutely do because there is so much written uh, and there's well, so much. It, it's almost like not a straight play. It's it's other, it's it's sort of a, 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 a I don't know. Well, I think William. When he wrote this, he's very controlling. He writes in very, very, very detailed descriptions of the yes. set and stage directions. Yes. He wants it on a certain way. Yes. And, and because they're seated and it's a staged reading, I need the audience to know what's happening. So they can picture it in their own mind. It's, it's almost like listening to a radio broadcast where you have to think of, you, you, you can see the actor sitting there. But you're getting all the background of what's happening and, and what's the weather like and what's, you know, what, what are the sounds in the background? And, what, and what does it all mean? You know, and that's what I, I like. I like that that Tennessee does not, you know, there's a lot of deep meaning, but he makes that accessible. Yeah. You, you yeah. know, you know what's going on. And if you don't know, uh, chances are he'll probably let you know. Sometimes he sort of hits you over the head with it. Yes. And then, then we have Tom. And Tom plays the son. And Tom is the one who actually, he is the real narrator. He pops out and he um, narrates as well as an actor in the play, a character in the play. So he pops out. He has like five dialogues where he pops out. And he's actually talking to the audience. He's telling his story, um, his memory of the story. Right. And, you know, memories are always not that accurate. So it's really from his perspective what happened right. um, during this time with his family. So, so his, uh, his mother, so his mother, who is already uh, this dramatic character, uh, <laughs> becomes that much more so. Yeah, she's very dramatic. So yes. Vincenzo James Hardy, he plays um, Tom. And I met Vincenzo because he did uh, War of the Worlds with, uh, with Michael Disher in our um, October show. How was that, by the way? It was great. It was good to see it on stage like that after, you know, you hear the, the, the radio broadcast at Halloween, but it was very, very cool. I loved what they did with it. And 
it, Vincenzo's voice is it's very deep, and he just sold me the minute he opened his mouth, and he's just terrific as Tom. It's just, just I couldn't have chosen a better Tom. Then we have um, Tamara uh, Froble-Falken. Right. I've worked extensively. South, South Fork uh, Performing, Performing Arts Center, Art. right? Yeah. I've done a lot of work with her, and I've, I've worked with her with her company, and I've directed her a number of times. And she plays Amanda, who is the mother, oh, wow. who's very histrionic and yes. overdramatic and extremely manipulative and conniving and controlling. And, you know, that can be perceived as a negative thing. But she's doing it for a reason. She's doing it for self-preservation, number one because the husband has, has left the family. We don't know where he is or if he's ever coming back. And she has Laura, the daughter, who is shy and uh, socially inept, and she wants a future for the daughter. Right. So she's, she's very, very controlling and conniving. Uh, but it's a delicate and, and doesn't And doesn't realize how uh, the way she is likely contributes to her daughter's condition. Exactly. Exactly. She chastises her. She says things to her that you would you would never say to your daughter. Right. Um, one of the lines she says is, um, "You will never look this pretty again," or "This is the best you will ever." Oh, look. I know. Oh my God, that was such an ugly moment. <laughs> look at this moment. Look at yourself, dear. Look at yourself in the mirror. This is the prettiest you'll ever be. Yeah, <laughs> and like, it's oh was, yeah. Can you imagine someone <laughs> saying that to you? It's just she doesn't. She's very self-absorbed. Yes. She's. I think in her heart. She does it. She thinks it's funny because it's like it's a lot of she she imagines herself a martyr and that she is she's doing she's exasperated and she thinks, oh, my goodness, you know, like I I need to be this way because my children are this or that. But, uh, you know, she tries to control and it's and, not a controllable situation. And then you and and you begin and you by the end you understand exactly why the father is not there and why uh, the son is about to uh, make the same choice. Exactly. Well, and it's interesting that the no one faults the father for not being there. No one says, you know, where is he? Why did he leave us? No one's angry about it. There. And, and Amanda's always she's always like in a little dream world when she talks about the father, and it. <laughs> It's just, it's interesting because it, that never gets resolved, that the father leaving never gets resolved. So there's, there's a lot of little unresolved things that get left, which I really like. I don't like everything. It's so up. funny because I, you're making me realize that even I didn't fault him mm-hmm. for not leaving. And that's, yeah, no and, and that's, no uh, that's a complication, you know? But then maybe, you look maybe... at Amanda and, right. and you think, you know, was she this controlling and manipulative and conniving um, when the husband was around, maybe I that's guess why he maybe not, yeah, we you, just don't know. You don't know. We, we don't People know are complicated. Is. But it's 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 a balance to not make her really unlikable. Mm. So you you have to show tender moments uh, for Amanda, and that's hard to do because because of the dialogue. So we've tried to work a lot of that in, and Amanda's uh, uh, Tamara is really great at it. She just just has an innate read for it. And then we've got Laura. We and you like, know before yeah. you move on to Laura, I'm I'm yep. thinking I I do want to say uh, in Amanda's defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, my gosh, how um good she is at 
keeping keeping the family moving forward at adopting this role as you know uh you know uh, the head of the family and making sure that uh you know certain things are getting done well i think in her mind she thinks she has control of it but she really doesn't right she doesn't have control of, of anything no and that's the that's the tragedy of the whole thing is the harder she tries, the more it falls apart. And you have to realize that even someone like Laura, who, ha- who is socially inept and she's very fragile and um, she has a handicap, she cannot control her. She cannot control what happens to her or, or what Laura's emotions or feelings are or what her future is going to be. Right. She wants to, but she really can't. And I, I think that's a lesson for everyone. Absolutely. Much, there's only so much you can control in this life, and the rest of it, it has to, it just has to evolve the way it's going to. But um, for Laura, um, I cast Zianya Kane Kiros, uh, Kiros Kane actually, and um, she's 14. She goes to East Hampton High School, and she is just, she is Laura. She is the, just the most adorable, hardworking girl. Um, she, she knows, she understands Laura. And, um, and the nuances of Laura and she's, she's, she's young and she's kind and she's gentle and she's, she's a lot like Laura, except she's very outgoing. <laughs> and of course we know that Laura is not, Laura is extremely shy. Um, and she plays it so well. She just plays it with such a gentle touch. Um, I, I'm just so happy to be working with her and I did not meet her before I cast her. Tamara and I talked about doing this um, a full-fledged production last year, and when I decided to do the stage reading, I went to her and I said, hey, I want you to do this with me. Who do you want to bring with you to be Laura? And she said, I have the perfect, perfect actress. And so I met Zianya at our first um, rehearsal. Actually, she came to the audition because she was reading with the guys. So um, to sight on scene, I cast her, and boy, I have not regretted it for one second she's just been phenomenal and you know it's funny you know the story it's tom's story and it's tom's story really about his his sister laura but laura has very few lines she doesn't do a lot of speaking um laura is kind of in the background a lot of the time they speak around her which is kind of sad yeah and it's and it's like it's part of the whole the whole story she's she, she's yeah. such a she's such a lovable character Laura is. She is. And, you know, the whole um, symbolism between the unicorn and Laura um, is very pronounced. Laura is, um, she's fragile mm-hmm. and she needs to be taken care of gently, as does uh, you know, a glass it's, so, it's funny, though, because, it, it, you know, there there is that. But, I, you know, I think that nobody really gives her the, because she's, she, it, when it really comes down to it, uh, nobody ever gives her the credit, and they all see her as the as the glass unicorn. But mm-hmm. but just like you know, this is her favorite piece. Mm-hmm. It breaks, right. and and so little is needed for Laura to to step up, accept, grow. And, uh, you know, I see such tremendous promise and I feel like I feel like people see her as fragile when, you know, she's just kind. It's 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 like a classic mistaking kindness for weakness kind of thing. 
Well, I think you can play it either way. I yeah. mean, the way it's written, it's sort of ambiguous. Yeah. I think we're playing it more that uh, she gives the broken unicorn to Jim, who we'll get to in a second, um, as sort of giving away that broken piece of herself. Yeah. And um, like the Phoenix rising. Yeah. Or you can play it that, you know, she is now broken. The unicorn is broken, so Laura is now broken. I like to think of it in a more positive tone. Me too. That, that, that she has, she's learning the ways of the world and that she can have her heart broken and that she'll survive. Yeah. And, yeah, the horn may be broken off, but she is not broken. Because that, so, the, the thing is, is like once the horn is broken off, it's, it's just like all the other horses in her collection. Exactly. It's on the shelf with all the other horses. She's just the same. And maybe that is her catalyst that she is does now consider herself to be the same as all the other regular horses and to see she's, and to she's see no longer unique in an on, in a in a in a in and, an unsatisfactory way and to see that this collection that she cares for so carefully that th- it, things things can happen to it things can break and it can still be okay well and when it breaks it the the dialogue is so interesting because she has a couple of lines that are very serious and she's very upset about it, obviously, but she holds it in. And then she gives the broken unicorn to Jim and she kind of, and she calls him um, freckles, which is a nickname she obviously had for him in, in high school that she never told him about. Right. And she, you know, in that moment, I just don't see somebody in, in that state of shock and um, dissolution. Would they, would they use that nickname and i you know for me you really have to look at the dialogue and you have to figure out what is what is she trying to say what is she feeling right now yeah and i think we've sort of played it in a more positive way and it just it sort of comes you know what you direct it one way and it you see something else and you're like this is not this is not how i saw it but this is really how it has to go that i think Um, that line when she calls him freckles i think that's a very significant line it shows there- it shows a level of confidence and 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 uh, play and and social charisma that you hadn't seen before because before well, it's almost like the, the breaking of the horn is the breaking of the barrier right. between her and the outside world. Yes, uh, it breaks the barrier between her and Jim, where she can now call him a nickname because he calls her Blue Roses. Right, and you know, it's just. just so many, there's so much symbolism and motif and themes going on here. It's very, very rich, and it can be, it can be done so many different ways. And you know, it, it, you have to kind of go with the way that it evolves. You can't force something. You can't force Williams in any one direction. You kind of have to see how it goes. Where is, where is it going to take you? Where's the dialogue going to take you? Right. Where are the characters going to take you? Uh, you know, I could cast a different Laura, and she would take a completely different direction which might work for that that actor you just don't know so you get in the theater and you start rehearsing how things are going to go you you, and you know you anticipate what it's going to be and it always turns out to be like a thousand times better than you thought we're so we're so excited so it's this weekend so um tomorrow and and sunday or how's it going to go it's uh saturday 2 and 7 p.m and then sunday at uh 2 p.m uh, let me just get quickly to Jim. Oh, played, please, please uh, do. Ian Conlon. He's also a East Hampton High School student. 
and I've worked with him at uh, the Southwark Performing Arts Academy also. And um, he's the most charming boy next door ever. Um, he's very, very directable. And he just, he, he's the most normal character of all of the characters. They all have their flaws. Jim does have flaws, but significantly fewer flaws um, than the rest. And he, he's the gentleman caller. He comes to dinner, um, unknown to him that, that Laura is Tom's sister. And they all knew each other in high school and doesn't really remember her. Um, and then they start talking and he realizes, oh, you were the girl that I called Blue Roses. Right. And, um, you know, he, he, he's a he's, little. He's like diplomacy. He's like diplomacy personified, this guy. Yeah. And you, you can, he can also be played in many ways. You know, and, and I said to Karen, how, what do you think? Do you think Jim is a blowhard and a know-it-all and <laughs> just, you know, sort of comes in and freight trains everybody or do you think that Jim he's just a likable guy and he doesn't realize sometimes what he says how it lands on people right and he and that's the way he felt he said I think he just doesn't really understand that what he says and what he does how it affects Laura right because he doesn't understand her world no um, until later then he really understands her world but by then it's sort of too late well I think he thinks it's too late well, but you know, and, and you kiss you, you kiss someone, and whether or not the fiance is real or not, or the girlfriend, right. Uh, right. you know, either way, it, whether the person's real or not, you don't go around kissing people if right. you're in a relationship. Well, and for for our purposes, the fiance is real. Okay. Um, I said to Karen, when you're talking about Betty, I want to see Betty in your face. I want to know Betty, mm. and last night I said when you started talking about Betty it was like she was like sitting there with us oh that's fantastic it was so palpable it's just it's so interesting what you can get from actors right and you know it's hard because you don't know what motivates each actor it's like you know I run a law firm by day and you have to motivate your team and you have to figure out which work what works for each one right Same and you, there's, a, there's a number of partners how many how many people are in that firm at least yeah. four right Five partners now. Five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We just took a new one on. So yeah, it's 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 the same kind of thing. It's, yeah. It's managing people and managing people to get them to do what you want them to do, but it's more than that. It's getting them to do something beyond what they think they are capable of doing. It's it's all in potential. You know, I don't cast people and their and talent. with and with one another and putting the the personalities and figuring yeah. out how to get them to collaborate and, and work together. Which is always helpful if you have, um, good when you do auditions, that yeah. if you've cast, if you've pre-cast anyone, you have to really bring those people in to read with the people that you're auditioning. Because you just, you can't just pluck people out of the air and stick them on the stage and expect it to work. There has to be chemistry. There has to be trust more than anything. You have to trust the people that you're on stage with because you can easily get thrown under the bus. Um, there are giving actors and there are actors who take and every one of these actors just gives, gives, gives to the others. And it's really incredible the relationships that have formed, not just, you know, uh, people, actors, humans, but th- the relationships that form um, on the stage between the characters. And it, every day I see something new that I didn't see the day before. And it's like, you know, you hate to actually get the production up on its feet because you think to yourself, if I only had another month where would this go to 
you never have enough time in your mind. You never get it to where you think you really want it in your mind because there's so much potential to go further and further and see where where is this cast going to take us on this ride? And that's where and that's life. Up? And that's like life too, right? Absolutely. Every every aspect of of this play, of directing plays, of of this entire conversation can be applied to to life on the larger yeah. scale. Absolutely, Jonah. It's just a, it's we're, a microcosm. We're psyched. We're psyched. We can't wait. Southampton Arts Center dot org for tickets. Can't wait to see it. I'm actually I'm going to hop past Tyler Dory Trio's Glass Menagerie from the Unsought Salvation record and and uh, go back to 72, play a little Paul Anka, Ray Ellis and his orchestra with a steel guitar and a glass of wine, uh, keeping the glass <laughs> theme going for you and in honor of you and the whole cast of Glass Menagerie this weekend at Southampton Arts Center. Joan, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Gianna. It's great to talk to you again. I'm Gianna Volpe. That was Joan Lyons. This is Paul Anka, Ray Ellis, and his orchestra. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, the Friday morning tea underwritten by Village Overhead Doors and Sag Harbor Cinema on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. Just give me a steel guitar, a glass of wine, and let me drink to a love I thought was mine, a love I thought was true to me. But now I'm drinking to a memory, a steel guitar and a glass of wine, while my tears they glisten in the candle shine. Oh, candle glow, oh, candle bright. Tell me who she holds tonight And bring me wine And make the music mine Play another set So that I'll forget mm, Bring me a steel guitar And a glass of wine And let me toast her just one more time Oh, candle glow before you dim Tell her what a fool she's bringing And bring me wine Make the music mine Play another set So that I'll forget And bring me a steel guitar And a glass of wine And let me toast her just one more time Oh, candle glow before you dim Tell her what a fool she's been And one more thing before I go Here's a secret I still love her so And one more thing before I go Here's a secret I still love her so And one more thing before I go From Paul Anka to Milky Chance you get a little bit of it all here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. WLIWFM's The Heart of the East End. 
I said that like a question. It's the hard you stuff. I think I lost my love now. I need another one to fix the broken pieces of my heart. You told me our love is true. It's broken promises. Cause I you say with history. I wish that I could just erase the memories of all the funny games he played in summertime. On the glass edition of the heart. I'll go put on my black dress. Yeah, your favorite one. Go put your boots on, even if they're a bit tight. Ain't gonna wear them too long. Glass of wine, one or two. Just you feel good Two or three I can't ignore You make me feel crazy Three or four If you want more Take the last step For me Baby, please Hold me tight Like you never Butterfly. Butterfly. 
I'm Jenna Volpe. That was Andy Therio. This is Boy You and you, whoever you are out there. You're awesome. And you're listening to WLIWFM, NPR Radio, right here on Long Island. <laughs> hey, I bring the bottle tonight. Red wine to rewind all our memories, right? It's just a matter of time before your cheeks turn into beaches and the stars realize. Another glass of wine, I'll find the diamonds in your eyes, darling. Another glass of wine, you know it's time. Three, two, one. We're kind of shooting stars on the side of my bed, and now your lips tattooed on the side of my neck. Another glass won't kill you, right? Gladly she replies, you got me running circles inside of my head. Now we're doing everything that I wish you had said. Another glass won't kill you, right? She replies like oh. And in the morning you awake to a happy sunny day And you happen to lay right here with me If history repeats Three, two, one okay. We're kind of shooting stars on the side of my bed And now your lips tattooed on the side of my neck Another glass won't kill you, right? Gladly she replies You got me running circles inside of my head Now we're doing everything that I wish you had said Another glass won't kill you, right? Gladly she replies like Long Island Local News on Friday, January 26th, 2024. I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. Long Island's lack of affordable housing is hindering employers' ability to attract and retain workers, according to a poll released yesterday. James T. Medor reporting on Newsday.com that nearly 8 in 10 CEOs said the dearth of affordable single-family houses and apartments is the biggest detriment to doing business here in a survey conducted last fall by PKF O'Connor Davies Accountants and the Siena College Research Institute. A panel of experts who discussed the poll released uh, on Thursday agreed housing is key to attracting and retaining our labor force. Uh, that quote from New York State Comptroller Thomas P. DiNapoli adding his office is examining shelter costs statewide. Kevin Law, a partner in the real estate development firm Tritech in East Setauket, said 82% of the housing stock in Nassau and Suffolk counties is single-family homes, a far higher amount than in the rest of downstate and in New Jersey and Connecticut. Quote, we have a significant supply imbalance here. We need to increase the supply of rental housing because that's usually the place where younger employees will start out. Besides having a roof over their head, many of those who are new to the workforce also want to start a family or already have young children, which means they need childcare, 
Stacey Sykes, a vice president at the Long Island Association Business Group and mother of two daughters, said people cannot go to work unless there is affordable and available child care. Child care is a business issue. Also in affordable housing news, the Sag Harbor Village Board will hold an affordable housing workshop on Saturday, January 27th. That's tomorrow at 1 p.m. in the Brick Kiln Road Firehouse. Stephen J. Coates reporting on 27East.com that Mayor Tom Gardella said the goal of the event, moderated by Joe Shaw, the executive editor of the Express News Group, is to hear from the public to help the village of Sag shape future policies. The full village Board is expected to convene for the session. Mayor Gardella said among the topics to be discussed will be his proposal to to develop workforce housing as part of a major redevelopment of the Brick Kiln Firehouse site, also home to the ambulance headquarters and DPW. The mayor said he hoped the individuals who uh, may or hoped that individuals who may have ideas for other affordable housing proposals in the village would also be willing to share them with the public. Again, that's tomorrow, 1 p.m. in the Sag Harbor Brick Kiln Road Firehouse. And finally, two weeks after receiving its final site plan approval from the Southampton Town Board, the controversial proposal for a 40-room luxury resort hotel, the Enclaves, received unanimous approval for $2.75 million dollars in tax breaks from the Suffolk County IDA yesterday. Beth Young in East End Beacon reporting the project on 6.75 acres on the main road in Southhold is slated to include renovation of an existing house for use as a restaurant that will be open to the public, a 40-room hotel, four guest cottages, another restaurant for hotel guests only, a spa, meeting rooms, lounges, and 100-person capacity event space in nearly 73 thousand square feet of new buildings. The total cost expected to be $44 million. The agency's move comes despite significant public comment opposing the tax breaks from Southhold residents and a scathing three-page letter from the Southhold Town Board describing the abatements, which would reduce the applicant's projected property and sales tax burden for the next 15 years as an unjust enrichment and burden on the town. The Southhold Town Board and many residents who spoke at a public hearing last month raised concerns about the percentage of low-wage jobs to be created by the development, the seasonal nature of the business, and the impact of the project on the town's infrastructure. Numerous East End businesses and tourism agencies, including the East End Tourism Alliance, Discover LI, and the Aquarium, as well as the Hyatt Place Hotel in Riverhead, submitted letters in support of the project. Staying in Southhold for the weather, looking like periods of rain mainly before 1 p.m. today, areas of fog before that time as well. High near 43 degrees, north wind 6 to 11 miles per hour. Tonight, patchy fog before 1 o'clock. Uh, this uh, tomorrow morning, otherwise mostly cloudy with a low around 38 degrees. Calm wind becoming north around 6 miles per hour after midnight. Right now it's 42 degrees and we've got the glass edition continuing to run. It's a practice run for an all music edition of The Heart with Glass as the theme. If you have a title you love with glass in the title, as long as it's not Glass Onion because we're about to play the Escher demo of that track. 
Let us know about it, 631-591-7006. Leave a voicemail and let us know. Um, after the Beatles, Melia Curran, Tristan Prettyman, and Peach Martini. Martin, before Caleb Cottle. But first, the one and only Jeff Bridges from his 2015 uh, sleeping tapes right here on The Heart Morning and Midnight Show featuring music from all decades and genres, interviews with folks from all walks of life, all because of you, the listener supporter of Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. All right, you comfy? All right. Yeah, you, you want a glass of water? Here. Yeah. Yeah, water. We need water, although I don't know if you're like me. You drink some water before you go to bed. You're getting up a couple of times during the night, but that's okay. It's nice to uh, get up in the middle of the night. You know, you pass the window, you see the full moon out there, or uh, on the way to the toilet, you're noticing the patterns on the rug. It can be a good experience. Anyway, um, I, uh, I get off the track here. Uh, why don't you get cozy, uh, cozy for some bedtime stories. I told you about strawberry fields, well here's a place you know just is real, it's just another place you can go. Everything glows Looking through the bent back tulips To see how the other half lives Looking through a glass onion I told you about strawberry fields Well, here's a place you know just is real It's just another place you can go I told you about strawberry fields Here's a place you know just is real It's just another place you can go crack in my memory as if something has gone 
and split the foundation of shadow of song and rattled the windows and the tiny regrets and the tiny glass houses that I tried to forget drink till you're sleeping I love you that way like we are all babies all our beds are unmade no memory has molded enough to forget and our tiny glass houses are not built for us yet Takes all of the courage and none of the pride to stand in the threshold to sit down inside where we are not babies. No, we are not new in our tiny glass houses with the beautiful views. There's a crack in my memory Where a funeral parade Rolls through the doorway That my memory made And funeral marches To its funeral sounds And tiny glass houses Are all tumbling down Amelia Curran to Tristan Prettyman and Peach Martine. You get a little bit of it all here on the Heart Morning and Midnight Show. Featuring music from all decades and genres, interviews with folks from all walks of life, all because of you and your donations to WLIWFM.org. I'm Gianna Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. You're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, streaming online wliw.org slash radio. You handed me a glass jar and took my hand. We were sitting on the stairs, staring at the sand. You asked me once, and I said yes. Said I'd never have to worry about anything ever again 
And now everything's as if nothing ever happened The version of your story isn't really matching up You gave up on us You got the whole world watching everyone's attention You turn your head and you never even mention us You gave up on love I'm staring at this ring An infinite circle Thought nothing could break The foundation we built on And just like that the wind shifts its way How could something so sacred Ever come to be replaced And now everything's as if nothing ever happened The version of your story Isn't really matching up You gave up on us You got the whole you turn your head and you never even mention us You gave up on love Found a little glass jar on a shelf. It reminded me to take a good hard look at myself. Reminded me of some better days when I knew. You got the whole world watching and everyone's attention You turn your head and you never even mention us You gave up on love Yeah, you gave up on us I feel like 
glass. I feel like I'm a glass vase. And you could see that you broke me if you looked me in my face. Even though I'm shattered, my substance hasn't altered, though your perception has. And that's your own fault, because now that you can't use me anymore, you say I've changed. You say I'm not the girl I was before, but I'm still the same. You think, because I won't take what you want to put into me, that I'm useless now, that I've lost my validity, but I'm still glass. Always have been, always will be. Now you can't mistake my beauty for my fragility. My broken pieces are more danger than your ego could ever take. There's something so psychotic about how you like to watch glass break. Can I give a shout to the North Fork Polar Bears and the second annual splash for cast this Sunday? 10.30 a.m. at Silver Sands Motel and Beach Bungalows. Check-in begins at 9.30 a.m. For more information, cast splash2.givesmart.com Laid across the track just to see who show their face I've been laid back and all over the place A roller coaster changing pace I believe the uh, Cornell Cooperative Extension Marine Program will also benefit from it Particularly the Back to the Bays program Quilts in the hall while the weather vane spins Candlelight flickering I'm shattered place I can't handle heaviness I hung my head and I hung out to dry I hung the moon in my mother's eyes Hung myself with an endless rope I'm hanging by a thread of hope I'm hanging by a thread of hope The hatchet and I buried the crime I'm a bad memory Buried in someone's mind I buried my pride I don't want to ride I'd be better off buried alive Oh, I'd be better off buried alive And the western wind came tumbling in Sirens in the distance Quilts in the hall While the weather vane spins Candlelight I'm shattered place. I can't handle heaviness. I'm shattered place. I can't handle heaviness. That's Caleb Caudle. This is Ocean Alley, Jack Savaretti, Annie Lennox, and the chairman of the board on deck before Blondie. Right here on the glass edition of The Heart. Morning and Midnight Show, The Heart of the East End with Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. News you can trust, music you love, live, 9 to 11, Monday through Friday morning, and every midnight on 88.3 and 96.9 FM. Streaming online to wherever you are at WLIW.org slash radio.
Reminder that the Hempton Jazz Fest and the Church Sag Harbor Supper Club benefit is tonight at the American Hotel. For tickets, you can go to HemptonsJazzFest.org. Just let me do everything I can Cause everything I do is for you There's a darkness to my shadow on the wall Every time I try to stand, that's when I fall 
There's a fever burning deep in my bones Even when I'm with you, I'm on my own Forget what I have done Sometimes I've lost you, sometimes I've won Just let me do everything I can Everything I do is for you You know, people say there's nothing going on in the winter. I don't know what people those are, but they're not correct. I can't believe the absolute, uh, like, almost embarrassment of riches, the amount of events going on this weekend on the East End. I've been struggling to mention them all. I do want to mention again uh, LTV Studios this Sunday at 2 o'clock, bringing the world to East Hampton, an explosive and astonishing display of passion. I'm reading right from the website, ltveh.org, where you can get tickets Passion, virtuosity, and a deep dive into the fascinating and colorful traditions of the Eastern European nation of Georgia. Author and host Tish Nami Sakvarlish Willie will be welcoming to the stage the dancers, singers, and musicians of Pesvebi. I hope I'm saying that right, unless I'm supposed to uh, read out the letters, but that's the leading Georgian cultural. Center from New York City, making a rare East End appearance and debut right here uh, on the East End at LTV Studios. Again, ltveh.org for more information. I'm Jenna Volpe. That was Jack Severetti, Broken Glass. This is Annie Lennox, Walking on Broken Glass. Uh, definitely zero out of ten would I recommend to a friend doing that Uh like, you know, it could be uh, a metaphor. <laughs> uh, chairman of the board on deck. After that, the man in the looking glass before Blondie's heart of glass. I'm Jana Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, 
You're awesome, and we're so grateful to have you right here with us on the 88.3 section of your FM dial throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in central and western Suffolk County, streaming online to wherever you may be at WLIW.org slash radio. Oh, 
I've seen that face before That face that I see in the mirror I know that face I've seen that face before I knew that dopey guy When he didn't know how to tie his tie He stood right there And he had hair galore The man in the looking glass Who can he be? The man in the looking glass Can he possibly be me? Where's our young Romeo, the lad who used to sigh? Who's the middle-aged Lothario with a twinkle in his eye? He seems so much wiser now, less lonely, but then could be. He's only pretending again Man in the looking glass Smiling away How's your sacroiliac today? Where's your first love affair, that tragedy d'amour? The true love you thought would be the end of you for sure. Man in the looking glass, have no regrets. The man. That life is worth living If once in a while You can look in that looking glass And smile Getting to reclaim a bunch of tracks I thought I wouldn't be able to get to this morning Chairman of the board, uh, Annie Lennox before that, Blondie on deck now, Cat Stevens, Rich Price, and Madison Beer in your immediate listening future. Unless I play a John Guerrera or Real Estate's Stained Glass track first, we might even have some time for that Tyler Dory Trio Glass Menagerie track we hopped over earlier. All the music, all for you. Like WLIWFM. 
this glass world We stop feeling pain Going nowhere We've got everything In this glass world People who live below Wish they were here Just looking in In this glass world In this glass world In this glass world We bathe by starlight No troubles here That's on the outside In this glass world Sitting without a care No need to move Way too nice up here In this glass world In this glass world In this glass Can't you hear me calling? 
way the clouds move And here they come, big and black That's the sound of a man Is working on his way back And now she comes to me And now she comes to me at last And now she comes to me And now she comes to me at last And I was waiting, I was waiting Like an empty glass I was waiting, I was waiting Like an empty glass I was waiting, I was waiting Like an empty glass I was waiting, I was waiting Like an empty glass Moving Madison Beer, John Guerrera and real estate up to the stained glass section of the set list and leading you into the NPR news break with Tyler Dory Trio's Glass Menagerie track from the unsought salvation record of 2019 in honor of the Glass Menagerie at SAC I'm Jennifer B and that is another broadcasting week here on the Heart Morning and Midnight Show. And baby, it's not the same. Featuring music from all decades and genres. Interviews with folks from all walks of life. All morning and midnight long on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Don't forget, if you have an event coming up, put it on our events page. We've kickstarted East End Explorer. So we're doing some free promotion for folks on the socials. Check it out at WLIWFM on Instagram. And find our events calendar from which we peruse to promote. That's WLIW.org slash radio. Oh, yeah. 